You are now listening to Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. Time to get embarrassed with us. This is Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. Is it? It is. Uh, I, don't, I don't believe you. It's also 3 p.m. on the East Coast. Is it? It is. And uh, Are you some sort of time genie? I am a time genie, and you are the Aladdin to my genie. You you have rubbed me the right way, sir. Whoa. Yes. So in this analogy, what's your lamp, brother? What's my... What's? <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I'm going for one of those cost-efficient, uh, ener- energy-efficient, <laughs> environmental lamps. Okay. Can you imagine like a genie going through a uh, sustainable... <laughs> I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, well, this, is, this is going too far. <laughs> this has gone way too far. Sustainable genies for the 21st century. Uh, I don't think it'll ever happen. Not I, in our lifetimes. I, I, I'm not Jimmy, by the way. And I am Jimmy. You are. <laughs> so that would make me a lawn, in, in theory. Uh, I don't know. This, I don't believe you with the time, the show. I don't even know. Who are you? We are your purveyors of the audio artifacts from the yesteryears. Yes, if you, again, have any of these artifacts, and we're talking about, you know, an old garage band you had or a recording of an awful Thanksgiving, we want to hear it. Send it in, lossorwound at gmail.com. Radio Free Brooklyn is always in need of your financial assistance, and if you wish to provide us with a sponsorship, you can do so at RadioFreeBrooklyn.com slash LAR. You could be a direct sponsor for the show that way, or... Alternatively, you can go to radiofreebrooklyn.com slash pledge and pledge to the whole station. To the whole station, as little as I think like one or two dollars, and then as much as however which way you want to go, in, you know, in the level of commitment financially and but again, get swag is, for that. Yeah, this is commercial free radio. Commercial free radio. Commercial free radio. But not swag free radio because if you donate, then oh, you get a present. So much swag. Swag. So much swag. Swag, swag. Swaggity, swoogity. Swiggity, swaggity, swig, swig, you could swag. Like, you could have like a tote bag and put your small dog in it. It's That's, amazing. Let's start the show.
last three years, Jeremy Hammond has performed stand-up all over New York and is currently acting as a co-host for both The Shape of Comedy to Come and Slugfest, in addition to his involvement as contributor to The Hard Times. Welcome, Jeremy. Hi, hello. Katie Rose Leon has recently moved back to New York after making her mark on the comedy scene in Portland, Oregon for six years. She's performed everywhere from there to Indiana, and now she's teaming up with the Nobodies on a new dragon comedy show called Rude as Hell. Welcome, Katie Rose. Hi. Welcome, welcome, welcome. These two grew up together on Long Island, were heavily, were heavily musically involved during high school, and now you guys are both here on the show today to talk about your old bands. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's very exciting. I'm actually uh, uh, back for a second time. Those who heard our show a few weeks ago remember we alluded to a ghost episode. Jeremy Hammond, along with our good friend Anna Cowger, we recorded the show. And it was great. Yeah. It was a really, it was fun. I had a great time. I feel like we touched on a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, because most of our shows are usually pretty awful, but that one... <laughs> It was nice. <laughs> and and so it didn't happen. It didn't get recorded properly. We're sorry that it didn't get recorded properly, but whatever the case is, here we are now. We're doing it again, and we have Katie Rose <laughs> Leon here in the studio. You're not going to be like the new Aunt Viv, right? <laughs> that we're is just... a deep cut. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're starting off on the right foot. Katie, you you got into comedy in Portland, right? Yes, I did. You've been now back in New York for, what, like not even a year. Yeah, it's been like six months. How is getting into the comedy scene here? Oh, it's 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 been interesting. Uh, it's weird because I grew up here, so it's not like I'm new to New York, but uh, I'm definitely new to the New York comedy scene, and there's a lot of social hurdles to get over, but uh, <laughs> I think I'm very talented. So <laughs> She is very talented. You're looking to me for validation. It's accurate. <laughs> I, I was actually curious if you uh, have been playing some kind of like a big brother to the scene here. Uh, if anything, Jeremy is my baby. Yeah, but... I was going to say, early, especially early on starting comedy, Katie was definitely sort of like a big sister figure to me whose approval I was seeking because I was a, a new little baby, and, and she'd been doing it for, like, a million years. Uh, well. But I, I don't know. I mean, like, for, like, the first, uh, first yeah. like, month or two that you were here, I was trying to push and pressure everybody I knew to get I her really on shows and, like, do it. what they could. Clearly, you have been doing a lot of classy joints in Manhattan, and you could say, you should stay away from this place, Katie Rose. You, could, you should definitely go here. Uh, but, there's nothing like a comedy bio to, <laughs> <laughs> to really get people thinking that your accomplishments are substantial. <laughs> yeah, this, I mean, again, it's one of those things where, um, you know, to be like a working comedian and then a famous comedian and then a rich person, these are all different things. <laughs> yes, that's true, and I am none of those. <laughs> so far, since you have been only doing it for three years, yeah. what has been the ultimate lesson that you've learned so far just in your experience of doing comedy? The biggest lesson is one that I've learned actually pretty recently, which is that too many people in comedy like rely on the idea that other people love comedy <laughs> yep there's this weird idea that everybody in stand-up comedy has that everybody out there loves stand-up comedy and if you have a show where you just say hey guys it's a great stand-up comedy show come see some stand-up comedy people are going to come to your show nobody does that nobody really likes stand-up and when i think about how i found stand-ups when i was young like before i was trying to actually be a stand-up and becoming a nerd about it like, the way I would find people is, like, I'd like them on a TV show or I'd like them on something that they do. 
and then I would Google their name and stand-up to see if they do stand-up, and then that's how I'd find them. It was actually pretty funny because I had a moment that happened the other day, and it was really surprising to me. I had a guy come to me after a set. It was like this older guy. He looked sort of penguinish, you know, and <laughs> he comes over, he, he waddles over. He's a very nice guy. He, he, <laughs> he looks like a penguin. Very nice guy. <laughs> anyway, um, and he goes, oh, you were funny. You were really funny. And I don't like comedy. And I was sort of taken aback, too. He's like, I don't like comedy. I don't like stand-up. See, that's the thing. is That's a very mindful stance. People don't think that they don't like comedy. But when you go to somebody and you say, we've got a stand-up show with five fantastic stand-up comedians and you're like i could just go home like that's <laughs> that's more what i mean is like people are ambivalent to stand-up comedy overall and well, so you have to give them something else that they want i think one problem and i was thinking about this recently is that when stand-up comedy goes bad when it goes off the rails yeah it goes really off the rails oh, yeah. and at that point you're just listening to someone talk that you don't want to listen to yeah and um, when you're when you're out at comedy, it's not as easy as like tr- changing the channel. What's yeah. This, what's the scene like in Portland in that regard, Katie Rose? So it's a little different now. Portland had a really rapid growth, so it's a very different city from when I started stand up to when I left. However, generally speaking, there was a hot three or four years where stand up was hot in Portland. Like we got a weird buzz, so it was a little different that people wanted to go see stand up, and it's a smaller town. So people are more into it. However, there is still that element of people not into it. And a lot of people would forget that in interesting ways. Because uh, a lot of shows happened at bars before or after karaoke. <laughs> so you would be doing comedy to people waiting to have fun. And <laughs> that's a real bummer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> And, like, we'd all be like, our scene's, like, blossoming right now. Like, don't you want to be part of this cultural phenomenon? They're like, I want to sing Let the Bodies Hit the Floor. It's my birthday. Wow. That's a, that's a perfect karaoke song. I can't believe no, I've never seen someone do that. Yeah, why don't people do that? It's very big in Austin, Texas is what I found out oh, I when see. I went there. They're, the that's the reference people make when they say bad karaoke song. <laughs> Man, I want to do like an acoustic cover of that song. I seem to recall it. Hit the bodies hit, hit the, the floor. <laughs> I seem to recall it. In Portland, Oregon, there was some kind of karaoke action going on with puppets, and somebody did a puppet show karaoke night with puppets doing that song. You know what it reminded me of? New Grounds. Oh my uh, god, I was just thinking about New Grounds. <laughs> for those of you guys That's out there, for, for those of you out there who don't know New Grounds, that aren't from the same generation, it was this website back when the internet was young. It was basically like a place where people would put weird stuff, not quite as bad as something awful. But just, definitely bad at But times. definitely bad at Like times. an e-bombs uh, kind of thing, yeah. probably. Yeah, so I, I remember before Newgrounds consolidated everything onto Newgrounds, because Newgrounds initially was just the message board, I think. But there were other sites that those guys ran, and one of them was called Assassins. Oh, God. And that was a site for Flash games where you would murder various pop culture figures. I do like remember the all the, the, all oh the games. Like, it was all these Flash games yeah, back when Flash was like really hot, when it just dropped. What town in Long Island did you guys grow up in? I grew up in Port Washington, and Jeremy was from Glen Cove. Yeah. So you were close by. Yeah, yeah, different sides of the viaduct. <laughs> but you both went to the same high school together? No. No. We went to the same art camp together. Hell yeah. Ooh, this is very interesting. 
And so it was at this camp that you shared your love for Flash animation. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think we talked about Flash very much. We were in a cartooning class together. Yes. Though. That's, That's cool. That was where we really met. Although we did meet the summer before, sort of, but we didn't really know each other that well. We became friends in this cartooning class. Yeah. Cool. We had this teacher, Al, who was like 90. He was, he's definitely dead. Uh, <laughs> we called him Crazy Al. Crazy Al. When he like really liked somebody's drawing, he'd jump on the table and show it to everybody and be like, have you ever seen a 90-year-old do this? <laughs> he used to come up to me as part of critique and draw eyelashes on all my female characters. <laughs> Oh, he's from a different generation. Yeah, I loved him, though. <laughs> Would you say that the friendship that you guys created was the most long-lasting out of all the people that you met during this cartooning camp period? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I hadn't really thought about it that way before, but yeah, certainly. We had a whole clique that kind of stayed together for years and years and years, but slowly that clique has kind of fallen apart, and we don't like some of them anymore. And, uh, <laughs> their, their cartooning went in a bad direction. Yeah, or they just didn't do <laughs> their drawings anymore. Wait, so wait, how old were you guys? Are you guys around the same age then? Yeah, or? yeah we. I think we graduated the same year, right? Yep. Yeah, so we were 13 12 or 14. Or 13. Yeah. The music projects of which you have, was this during the time that you guys were both no, uh, fine artists? Okay. Kind artist being sort yeah. of <laughs> a basic umbrella. Uh, I'm sure it was very fine. Like the uh, apple juice. It was pretty good. So fine. Katie so fine. has some very innovative ideas about drawing noses on cartoon oh characters. God. I always tell her this. I love her noses. <laughs> are, they, are they phallic? Uh, sometimes, sometimes, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like uh, Animal Crossing a little bit. Yeah, they they, uh, they kind of been likened to pickles often. That's yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, pickles, like red pickles. <laughs> 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 you know, those red ones. <laughs> someone out there has a red pickle nose out there listening to this, and they're like, they know. Finally, someone gets uh, me. Red pickle, are we talking about a dog in heat? Because that's gross. Ew. Nobody wants to hear about that. I would say the trajectory was we were into cruddy pop punk when we were at age, yeah. and then we stayed friends through high school, and that's when we started making bands. Yeah. I stayed drawing comics for a while. I think you and I started a sticker gang at one point. Yes, we did. What? <laughs> yeah, I got really, really heavily into graffiti my senior year of high school. Okay. I have a tendency when I get really into something to like try to pull all my friends in to try to get into <laughs> it too. And I'm like, come on, guys, we're all making zines now. Yep. We oh, we did make we zines. did make a zine together too. Uh, Whatever, whatever, whatever the thing is that I'm into at a given time, I'm trying to get everybody into because I'm in love with it and I want to share that with everybody. Is that how normally it went when you were younger? You were always the leader and always the um, catalyst for certain groupings and activities? I don't know. That's probably a better question for you. I would say yes. So Jeremy and I grew up in two different towns and we became friends at summer camp. So I feel like you were like the leader of your gang and I was the leader of my weird nerdy virgin gang. Yeah. And we would... We would bring them together for various reasons. Yeah. Herclick had a website. Oh, God. I hope it doesn't still exist. There is some problematic yeah, the, material on there. The Space Jam website still exists, so truly anything is possible. Oh, God, I, Somebody keeps paying for the Space Jam site. I don't think it exists anymore. My gang was called Gavin's House Gang because we would go to Gavin's House, and I believe the website was gavinshouse.org, and we would... <laughs> Nonprofit. <laughs> so we got the zine. 
We got the site. Soon we're gonna have our startup going. But anyway, the maybe last, we should. The last time uh, we chatted with you, Jeremy, on the ghost episode, it was discovered that your scene was a little more the DIY punk scene. Everybody didn't really know how to play instruments per se, but they just learned, and you kept getting better, and you kept on playing shows, and you were very much involved. I'm wrong. I would say you're you're sort of right. I'm I would sort say of right. that, okay. that that's that's a more accurate description of me than it is of the rest of my scene. <laughs> yeah. There okay. were a lot of very, very talented musicians in my scene who would be very upset to hear me say that I don't think they're... They were... I mean, even the guitarist of my band, Sons of Thunder, was an amazing guitar player. Yeah, It was mostly me. I didn't know what I was doing, but I was just like, I want to be in a punk band, and so I just was. I think the basis of our friendship was that in common. Like, neither of us had a lot of talent, but yeah. we're like, we're doing it! Yeah, that's totally, yeah. That's <laughs> Everything totally we did. Isn't that sort yeah. of um, what this country is founded on? <laughs> Perhaps so. We're uh, not necessarily talented, but we're gonna do it! Well, and that's, I mean, essentially that's what punk was all about at the beginning, right? right. It was like yeah. a lot of artsy weirdos who were just like, I want to be a part of rock and roll, but I don't really know what I'm doing. I, I, I don't believe... <laughs> I, I want to invent a new kind of music. Yeah, I don't believe Tina Weymouth from the Talking Heads necessarily was a great bassist when she first started, but she became great later, uh, you know, as the years yeah, progressed. that's true. You know, that whole band's uh, ethos was not necessarily that they were proficient musicians, but that they just, as they continued getting better and better, so did their musicianship. Although, I mean, yeah, eventually it became a very, very highly technical operation with sure. them, right? Like, during that whole period, uh, what is it, like the early 80s when Adrian Ballou was, was playing with them? Yes. Uh, <laughs> That's some dad shit. Oh, my God. He's the best. What? Everybody okay. loves Adrian Ballou. <laughs> Sounds like a porno name. Especially my He's dad. He's the best. <laughs> Oh my god, can we pull up a... No, we're not, we're not listening to Adrian <laughs> Blue right now. <laughs> we, and we, Adrian Blue guitar we, well, we do have to listen to a few songs from each of you guys. All um, right. These are songs that may or may not have been heard before. These are clips that probably have not been officially unearthed. But in the spirit of Lost and Rewound, that's what we are here to do. We are here to unearth the old artifacts and bring new life to it. Katie Rose, let's begin with you. We need some context. You have a song here called Scary Elevator. <laughs> so, uh, And what instrument are you playing? It was a synth-pop band, so we sequenced everything ahead of time. <laughs> uh, so it was like drum machines, like a guitar. We had a couple of different synths, and I do it with my friend Timmy, my partner in crime when Jeremy wasn't around. <laughs> uh, basically my uh, little sibling. While Jeremy was, like, punk as fuck, being in cool bands, I was this nerdy super virgin. I loved synth pop, and I also loved joke bands, like The Vandals and They Might Be Giants and Ween. Our goal was to sound like a jokey, like, freeze pop or, like, something really put together, but we just ended up sounding like a really unsexual gravy train. And... Uh, <laughs> 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 And this song is about Silent Hill 2. <laughs> I don't know about Silent Hill 2, Silent, but I think I'm going to learn after this song. A, it's, a it's the survival, best Silent Hill. It's a survival horror game that we played a lot. Yeah, just imagine imagine a girl that's doing yoga that then turns into a demon, and while she's on all fours, like upside down, just starts scrambling towards you. That's yes. basically yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Silent. the one where the guy goes back to the town to find his wife, right? Yes, it yeah, is. Yeah, that's a good one. And it's, then the final boss is the wife. Yes, it's referenced in the song. Uh. All right. Well, All right. you got the reference, so let's take a listen to Scary Elevator.
say when we were like 15 but i think that recording were closer to 17 at okay. that point point. and if it's okay to ask i just because uh i'm curious so since this is based on a video game that means this was probably like what made aughts or so oh yeah this is probably like all right we graduated in 2006 so probably around then quite captivating to hear that because uh the first thing i could hear is like some definitely kind of indie shit uh like maybe like el tigre or something too yeah, we loved Electro Clash and we loved '80s New Wave. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely had some. Uh, I had a Mega Man vibe in there too. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. late game Mega Man when yeah. shit gets really hectic and you gotta like move fast. Yeah, yep. this is this is really before chip tunes really became like mm-hmm. a big big thing, right? Like that existed, but it, it was it was starting to rev up. Like I remember I was really into that stuff, but yeah. once again, I had like no skills. Like Timmy was really good <laughs> at programming, and I was good at singing stuff to them in a microphone. <laughs> I would be like, Timmy, I want it to sound like this. And they would be like, okay. <laughs> I, I don't know why, but I really, really love music about pop culture. To me, it's like, I, I think it's the best. Yeah. I got into this band. I could like Game of Thrones. I read when I was in high school. <laughs> it was like really weird. My buddy was like, yo, everybody dies, dude. Read it. And he was like a bro dude. It was the weirdest Wait, thing. He was bro- like, yo, bro, read it. They're all dead. <laughs> That's the same thing with the R.L. Stein books, man. Everybody dies except for one person. And, and, um, or they were aliens the whole time. <laughs> exactly. So I got put onto this band that put out an album all about Game of Thrones, but the books, before their show came out. This band was The Sword. The Sword. And they're oh, actually sword. like, they're sort of a bigger the band now. The Sword is good. Yeah, I like The Sword. No, that, I don't that, even that al- like Game of Thrones. That album is really good, too. <laughs> That's a good name, too. How had nobody been called The Sword yet? Um, I don't know, but they they're they're a good band. They, I think I'm trying to say what wow. the name of the, it was Gods of the Earth. They have a song like "To Take the Black." What kind of music is it? 
like stoner metal. Mm-hmm. Sick. Stoner. It's good. No, it's, a, it's a good bet. Stoner metal like Game of Thrones. I guess. The, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that feels right. <laughs> Look, wasn't there like a metal band or something that had a niche of dressing up as the McDonald's characters or something? It's Max Sabbath. That's right. <laughs> That's true. Uh, are they good? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> KRL for all parody bands. <laughs> Wait, I gotta actually Early address... Aughts 2000 ska reference. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, I gotta bring this back because I caught this while looking you up, Katie Rose, because I know that there was something you did recently that, um, speaking of metal, you did a thing called one, uh, two seconds to uh, two late seconds night. Two seconds to late night. To late minutes. night. Two minutes, two minutes to late night. Two minutes to late night. Two Sorry, minutes boys. to late night. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Two minutes to late night was at St. Vitus, uh, a venue that I love dearly. Mm-hmm. Although I'm not really super into metal, I know the people who run it. What a fucking space. But you were there because you were doing comedy sets in a mosh pit. Yep. During a Skeleton Witch concert. Wow. Yeah. Two minutes to late night is metal talk show that my dear friends Jordan Olds and Drew Kaufman make. And... Uh, They were like, would you like to do stand-up comedy in a mosh pit? I'm like, yes, sign me up. And I'm a little embarrassed of it because I didn't wear earplugs, so I am, like, shrieking while I'm doing it. (laughs) And I was also the only comic that got straight-up nailed by a dude. But what these boys didn't realize is I've been falling down my whole life, and I've also always been a tiny lady pushing my way to the front. So I'm used to being pushed down by men pretty much my whole life at rock concerts. So I pop up immediately but everyone was like, are you okay? So I got a lot of free drinks. It was great. <laughs> the pit, man. Performing shows <laughs> is one thing, but going to shows, uh, what was your experiences going to punk metal shows in Long Island? I know there was a pretty pretty deep scene in the ni- in like the early aughts, 90s, etc. Yeah, well, there was a really amazing scene in Long Island just before we yeah got old enough to start going to shows pretty regularly there was an amazing scene that was happening with bands like latterman uh bomb the music industry started out as uh, arrogant Arrogant sons Sons of bitches Bitches. that sprouted laura stevenson and the cans Mm -hmm. the fad was amazing too but they were still carrying on yeah uh but the point is there were there was an amazing amazing scene happening in basements in long island and then right when we got there was sort of right when that all was dying. The new wave. All, all of them were going to college mm. and moving on with their lives to go on and then do music again and then be amazing and blow up. But we were kind of stuck with this weird sort of remnant scene where some people were still around, but the bands weren't really as good anymore. Did you resent that? I didn't really know about it until later. Yeah, we weren't like clued in as much because we were so young. Yeah. Also, music was kind of in transition at that time because it was not quite the 90s anymore, but it was still really early 2000s. So you had, like, Screamo, but then kind of that, like, uh, the Hives stuff happening. Yeah, that was when the Strokes had, like, completely blown new metal out of the water. Sure. That all was over now. But some people were still clinging to new metal. It was, like, a weird time. (laughs) Well, and that's sort of what the whole uh, mainstreamo thing felt like to me. Mainstreamo. Yeah, it was was pop culture. It was, like, modern rock radio trying desperately to cling on to drop D tuning. Like, that's all they wanted to keep. double bass pedals. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, they really... They tried their best. It didn't really work, though, did it? No. My ska band had a double bass pedal. <laughs> you were in a ska band, too? I was in a, a ska, ska band. A ska band with a double bass pedal? 
Yeah, it was weird. Like, my ska band was early high school because it was like me and some seniors, and then this band was definitely myself. There's no recordings of the ska band. I like. I wish I had them. I really did. And you guys didn't really play out very much. No, we were like a very short-lived thing. We like did a couple Battle of the Bands and won a fog machine. What was it? It was uh, the fog machine. That was the most important uh, part. The panda one was it? No, that was one horn army. Which then we got a trombone player in addition to me. (laughs) So I had to write on all our flyers in a sharpie now featuring two horns. (laughs) (laughs) One horn army now with two horns. Come on, come on. We have uh, time to listen to one more track before we go to break. We uh, do have. This other track, Silly Shirt for a Silly Guy. So basically my band wrote songs about two things. Pop culture references or our friends that we were kind of making fun of. And uh, we made this EP called Friends Shirts, Friends Shirts, as in friends, comma, shirts, friends, apostrophe, as shirts. Because we had so many songs about people's shirts. And this was the crown jewel. It was originally written in Timmy's other band, the Zombonauts, but we realized it was really our track, so we uh, did it, and it's really beloved. It was about this kid named Brian that would always wear those Hot Topic t-shirts with, like, silly slogans on them, and we kind of hated him, but we loved making fun of his shirts to his face. Also, we had previous... Cold and dark pause. <laughs> you suddenly realized that her nerdy synth-pop band were also the bullies of their high school. We were, we were nerd bullies. We were straight-up nerd bullies. And also, in that well, you same watch out for those ones. vein, at one point we had written a musical that's lost to time called Gay Robot the Musical, in which the after-school robotics club built a gay robot. And then the future... <laughs> Business leaders of America shut it down. And so we got in in the habit before we started recording to do these sketches where we would pretend to be the after-school robotics club. (laughs) So that is the story of a silly shirt for a silly guy. Let's take a listen.
So I, I got I got That was know. epic as hell. Did, oh my does God. This, did this guy know about this song? Did you play it for him? Brian was this kid that we never were sure if he was really our friend or not, and then we found out he was super homophobic, so we're like, screw that guy. Like, so wow. he probably knew the song was about him, but we also like didn't really care. He's probably <laughs> the guy now who puts all the memes on his Facebook. <laughs> I always think the silly shirt people are the same people who are like, look at this funny meme with a baby animal. Oh, yeah, for sure. There's a direct correlation there. There must be. We call them wacky cheese pants humor. You remember that? <laughs> <laughs> the... uh, old life bits. I'm stealing that. <laughs> old life bits. Yeah, like in the early 2000s, there was like a whole genre of kid that was like, yeah, they wore those types of shirts. They're very into anime. Yeah, and UFO like, pants. UFO pants and like Invader Zim. And they're like, wow, random wacky cheese pants. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, how did they ruin all of the works of Joan and Baskins for us? Yeah, well, it's one of those things that there's just so many people you can see with black eyeliner and an Invader's Dim shirt, like girl on the shirt, and it drives you nuts after a while. It's a real bummer. Uh, Katie Rose, after listening to these, what's one thing that you would be able to take away from it, and does it inspire you to make more music now as an adult? I just was having so much fun, and uh, I was really hard on myself as a kid, like nothing... I did drawing or music or trying to perform ever seemed good enough at the time, but I'm like, that's pretty impressive for a couple of dumb kids Hell just yeah. making songs about what was essentially in-jokes. Yeah, like, we sure. made a whole band of in-jokes. And the fact that you guys even committed it to record is we, itself We recorded it, and then we perform that stuff live, which it is hard to drag a bunch of synthesizers when yeah. you're like two 16-year-olds to gyms and stuff where you're just playing with metal bands. Yeah, and you mm-hmm. never had a car. No, I have never had a driver's license. Uh, <laughs> All right. <laughs> Classic New York. Uh, not when we were in the band. Like, we would just... Wow. You Our friends would just drive, drive yeah. us. Yeah. They liked us enough for some reason. Or we would walk it over if it was in town. <laughs> it's just fun as hell. I wish I was having that much fun right now. It sound, it, we're, we're having a lot of fun here in the studio. You ready for some of Jeremy's old? Oh, my God. I can't wait. When we come back, we'll get into some of the punk shit. Right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Boston Rewound.
from the synth pop sounds of Port Washington. She <laughs> <laughs> <was> in Portland. <laughs> from the synth pop sounds of Port Washington, we now move over to the punk sounds of Glen Cove. <laughs> Jeremy. That was so difficult. <laughs> it's so lame. <laughs> I also want to make this clear, like, the synth-pop sounds of Port Washington were just me and that one kid. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was very annoyed at us. Yeah, this is not dominating the airwaves. <laughs> how, uh, how was your band received, the Sons of Thunder? I would say largely hated. Uh, <laughs> Mother but, approved. <laughs> but, well, we had, a, we had a devoted following of about maybe 10 to 20 people yeah. hey. who really liked us and would come see us whenever we were near and then a whole lot of young ladies on the MySpace <laughs> who would come see us mm-hmm. because because uh, Jeremy was a hot teenager. It's true. I was he a very was beautiful. Teen. <laughs> so you guys had a MySpace page for your band. Yeah, well, every band had a MySpace page sure. back then. Yes, uh, and, and you counted the number of hits. Huh? Remember that you would look at the head, you had hits. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was back yeah. in the day when people would count hits on web pages. That is, that is yeah. a thing of the past. That is a thing of the past. And your top eight were other bands that you were like in the scene with or something. Yeah, or you generally they were slightly above you in the scene, and you were like, we want to seem like we're cool and in with these bigger bands, and maybe if they're in our top eight, they'll, you know, be cool to us. <laughs> and, what in, and what instrument did you play? I was the singer. You were the singer? I was one of two singers of the band. Okay. And in the recordings that we're going to listen to, you really can't hear my voice very much at all. (laughs) Because they turned them down. Yeah, they turned me down. Uh, Why did they turn you down, Jeremy? So there's there's two competing theories on this matter. One, my version of the story, (laughs) which is that when we were at this guy's house recording this uh, demo that we made, Brendan, the guitar player, was was working on the guitar parts, and uh, I just picked up the engineer's guitar that he had in his bedroom just to kind of play around with, uh, and it was like a Fender Jaguar, uh, and I was just kind of just noodling around on it, and he whips his head back at me, and he says, hey, don't touch that. There's only five of them in the world. Uh-huh. <laughs> sure, buddy. And I was like, oh, okay, sure, okay, and I just put it, I didn't touch it again, yeah. uh, but I think that he was so angry with me for touching his beloved jaguar <laughs> that he, he don't touch my jag my he took, it, he, he took it out on you my in, jag. In production. wow now the the competing version of this story is that i did not know all the words <laughs> i like uh, that version more <laughs> and, and and that generally dave the other singer did know all the words uh and so he got to be the lead singer and i was the backup singer but in metal influenced punk crossover band there's no like lead and backup it's just two guys shouting right i like the double singer thing though it's rare you see it every so often yeah it worked for us because he did the heavy lifting of being the singer of the band and i just got to be like the pretty guy in the front you were, you were the punk hype man you were <laughs> I, the guy that's like yeah but in, in punk <laughs> i distinctively remember for a while you didn't even have lyrics you would just shout sons of thunder one two three go over yes and over again. uh <laughs> or variations of that or uh just general gibberish or uh reading out of a book uh we had a lot of books that we would bring with us and i would i would scream the sentence someone actually wrote a book not your book with lyrics that yes. you Yes, no, 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 no. This was somebody else's, but this was exactly. a book about eugenics that was in Nick's basement. Nick, our drummer, was in his basement. Uh, 
Okay. Just or, clear uh, that up. I think I did Catcher in the Rye once. Uh, Catcher in the Rye punk song. Yeah. What, when you guys would sing together, though, or singing loosely, <laughs> using that phrase, uh, but did you guys sound really different? Uh, a different style different. of I, screaming? I have a generally you like higher a- register, I think. Pretty nasal. And Dave had a very deep, like, adult voice. It made sense that he was the the main singer. It's really more of an ego thing than anything else uh, that I that I wanted to to be. You had to be you had to be the, the singer, man. It's the way to. It's, come yeah, on. that's how you get the chicks. I mean, really, it's it's it's, it's like a job hired a replacement for you, and then just never got around to firing you. Like, that's kind of what keep happened. on sticking around. Well, because I was the original singer. It was just me and Nick and Brendan. It was a three person band. And I never wrote lyrics for the first, like, six or seven months that we existed. And we were playing a lot of shows. <laughs> we were playing in front of a lot of people in a lot of places on Long Island. And I was not doing what a singer is really supposed to you, do. You, you only had so much room in your backpack for books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got to go to the library, guys. I didn't get a chance. <laughs> but so then they brought on Dave to be the second singer around the same time we got a bassist. And at that point, maybe a month of humiliating himself with me doing gibberish and then he was like i'm gonna go ahead and write lyrics and then he did and then i didn't really learn them very well until after we'd recorded that's okay a lot of the times on this show i feel like i'm trying to go for scripted and sometimes it just works better (laughs) (laughs) exactly and then sometimes i'm like no i think we're gonna have to script this part it sounds a little better that way (laughs) we'll take a listen to the sons of thunder anthem
So I, I tried to count the times that you can distinctly hear my voice in that song. How many times? Three. Three. All right. <laughs> yeah, and it was, it was most definitely a whisper in the background. Yeah, it's It sounded enough. like it was someone in the audience. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like if, if you're in a band that has like a Didi Ramon type of guy who just, just occasionally yeah. shouts something. From the back and he's, he's yeah. not mic'd. Yeah. And you're like, he's not important enough to be that high in the mix. That's what it sounds like I am, but I didn't have an instrument. I'm like the guy in the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. You know what I'm talking <laughs> about? The guy who dances for the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. But all the pictures were of you. That's true, and all the pictures are of the skanking guy. Yeah. There's a lot of bands, even that don't necessarily fit in the mold of ska, that have that kind of member. Prodigy, the electronic band, had Mm -hmm. a guy who danced around and didn't do anything other than that. I want to say that Rocket from the Crypt had a guy who just danced around, too. Wait, which guy in the Prodigy didn't do anything? Not the one with large amounts of tattoos. Uh, yeah, not the guy piercings. with the, the horns and whatever and yeah. like the, the eyeliner. There were four members around the fat of the land. There was What? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, there was Liam, whatever his name, Liam Hewitt or whatever his uh-huh. name is. And that was the main guy who did the music. Then there was the guy who, I don't know what his name is, with the the, the face of the band with the crazy, you know, with the bull ring and the yeah. haircut. And then there was this guy named Maxim, tribal tattoo African with a very, yeah, very yeah, distinct, yeah. like, So I thought context. it was just the two of them. That's all I ever knew of the project there are was four devil members. guy and African guy. Right. There were four members. And then I'm under the impression from seeing Rocket from the Crypt Live that there was, like, a guy who danced around, too. But I'm not certain of that. Wow. Mm-hmm. I'm into that. You're, you're, you're into just <laughs> bro, the showmanship. I'm bro guy on standing over there doing something. Hey, look, yeah. Tupac got his start dancing with the digital underground, so everyone's got to start somewhere. Again, <laughs> I stay, you know, it's about stage presence. The craziest thing I ever saw somebody do at a show, a guy puked on himself on stage, and then mm. he puked in a bucket and they drank it. Oh. All right. <laughs> while, he, while, this, while they were playing. That's some Gigi Allen type shit. And um, I was just, I was impressed. I was impressed. I saw a band once uh, outside of a show. This is like one of the earliest Sons of Thunder shows I can remember playing out of Glen Cove. Okay. Uh, I think we were at, I can't remember the name of the bar, but it was a bar in Levittown that was a gay bar during the day and most of the night. And then late night would become a music venue. The promoter apparently was like the shadiest dude around. And he had just left. (laughs) He left the show without telling all the bands that he was leaving. And so all these bands who were, like, hanging out in their vans and whatever couldn't go back in and get their equipment. He just locked the doors and was like, all right, peace, I'm out of here. So they tried calling him, couldn't get him. One of the scorned bands. They all individually, was a ska band, so there were several of them. (laughs) They each uh, individually, all however many ska band members, put fingers down their throats, puked all over the front and back door of this venue. Wow. Pissed on it. Uh, one of them definitely took a shit in front of the door. I think I know who it is. I, I was going to say, um, isn't that, wasn't that the story of the Magnificent Seven? Wasn't that like, <laughs> So then they protect the town right after that. So you were doing mostly shows at more or less shady clubs in and around Long Island. Did you guys ever branch out of Long Island, where you come to the city, obviously proximity to New York City, you guys may have been able to go and see shows, or were you... Oh, we were going to see shows all the time in the city, but I don't know if Sons of Thunder ever actually played a show in the city until we did our reunion last year. Awesome. And we played at uh, Don Pedro. Nice. Did you learn lyrics? 
Yes, yes. Uh, and took, and took, actually, Dave couldn't make it, so I had to be the only singer. Yeah, Ooh. what's up with the band now? I can only imagine that like they're all, um, you know, they've all gone different directions. Yeah, so Dave lives in Boston, and he, I think, is a hot sauce entrepreneur. Uh, Brendan <laughs> is a community farming advocate. Eric is, I think, a journalist covering MMA. And then Nick, the drummer, is becoming a friar. What? Yeah, he lives in Wisconsin now, and he's becoming... So what does he do, like fries, Oreos? Yeah, 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 yeah. a lot of Twinkies. Uh... Fascinating. Imagine what punk rock could do to minds. Evidently nothing if you're clearly branching out and finding, you know, religion in the Midwest. (laughs) All it takes is like a Sid Barrett-type episode to be like, I know where I'm going in my life now. (laughs) We have time for one more track, and it's called Crawl from Sons of Thunder. Yeah. All right. Any context for this that we need to know other than uh, your muted vocals probably? Uh, I think I might be slightly more audible in this one. I'll keep count again. The song is called Crawl because it is a traditional creepy crawl song. Uh, It's a hardcore pit move you'll you'll hear the very awkward part in the middle where live people would be creepy crawling <laughs> on recording just sounds really weird <laughs> Classic stuff in that one. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I have memories of going to 
of all things, posi numbers in Kingston, Pennsylvania, and going to these positive hardcore shows. Oh, yeah. Don't ask me how I got into it. I don't know where my mind was. These devoted groups of fans who know every fill-in and know exactly where to stop moshing. Everybody is in lockstep. We end up so many quarters. Oh, man. (laughs) That's a story that we won't have time for. That's a classic tale. Uh, I was just going to briefly say that we did have a bit of a rivalry with a positive hardcore band. Really? Uh, They were called Ahoy. Uh, oh my god yeah I know right their music was actually really good I give them that uh, listening to it now I'm like wow they were way better than us they had a song called Breaking the Shackles that was about being vegetarian and then we would introduce our songs sometimes as reapplying the shackles <laughs> <laughs> that's so good yeah uh, you know what's funny I remember when I was a kid I'd go to these hardcore shows and a lot of the times afterwards they're like we're all going to this vegan place and I was yeah. just like what is happening <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, weren't you the same guy that just punched that guy you didn't know in the face? Yeah, like... it's the weirdest thing because like vegan on its own has like kind of a wimpy connotation, right? Straight edge on its own has a wimpy connotation. You put the two of them together and they become maniacs. They oh, become yeah. like aggressive, really masculine people. Oh yeah, people. there was this guy at the hardcore shows when I was a kid. I used to go like when I was a, when I was a teenager too, right around the same time. I feel like we're around the same age. There was this guy, we used to call him Old Man. He was 29. There's always an old man. <laughs> oh, no. He was 29. We called him old man. I just turned 29. Yeah, I'm, oh, I'm, no! I'm, I'm turning 29 in a couple months. So, yeah, it's exactly the same thing, right? And he used to talk about how, how we were all pussies because of how we, used to, how we would fight at shows. He's uh-huh. like, you guys are just like spin kicking and punching each other in the dick. But he goes, you don't know. You don't know. He goes, when I was your age, everybody, before you get to the show, you'd tuck a razor right in the bottom of your shoe. Jesus. So when you'd spin kick people, he's like, you, you, you just start kill you start cut, you know, gotta get blood. He goes, if you didn't draw oh. blood, it was a waste of a show. Oh, <laughs> fuck off forever. That's awful. I still, I still remember him giving me the speech. Mind you, the guy was five foot three. Oh man, <laughs> his body was um, pillowy, but uh, but but not but not fat. Totally thin and pillowy. Hardcore is the worst. Had you recently heard each other's music? Well, I mean, not to spoil it, but we did listen to these songs uh, last month when we when we tried to record this episode. But sure. other than that, I mean, I listened to him a bit like leading up to the reunion show. Yeah, I hadn't heard Katie's music <laughs> since high school. And the uh, the the second one, the shirt song, <laughs> immediately brought me back. Uh, just like yeah, like the the you get like the smell and everything. <laughs> suddenly you're just like, oh, that's what I smelled like back then. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, God. smelly oh, Jeremy. That's yeah, what my friends bad. call him. We got to wrap up here. You have some shows coming up, yeah? Yeah, sure. On the 23rd, I have Slugfest at the Beauty Bar. Yep. That's at uh, 9 p.m. Uh, and then on March 4th, the following Saturday, I have the Hard Times show, Shape of Comedy to Come, at Tender Trap. Uh, that's at 8 p.m. And then I have a bunch of shows coming up for my band that I'm in now, Headless Dentist. We're, uh, we're putting out an EP very soon on B. Dwyer Records. Uh, it's called Bagok. <laughs> and uh, we are playing March 2nd at Otto's Shrunken Head, March 7th at Come on Everybody, and on the 8th at Bowery Electric. Come check us out. We're a lot of fun. And you could be otherwise found on many of the social media uh, sites, yeah, including uh, your website. JeremyHammond.info, Twitter, at Jeremy Thunder. Katie Rose, you have. Have, uh, certainly a good social media presence. In fact, I would say that you are completely all over and anybody can find you real easily. Yeah, it's all I have. Uh, <laughs> follow me on Twitter at, at Katie Rose. I was an early adapter. Uh, so that's like a best way to see my aggregated stuff. Uh, all my shows right now are 
in the works, so I don't have any dates to plug, but keep an eye out for uh, Rude as Hell, which is going to be at the Mockingbird, and it's going to be fabulous. Exciting. Katie Rose Leon and Jeremy Hammond here on Lost and Rewound this week. Thank you guys so much for coming out. My name's Alon. And my name is Jimmy. Thank you guys for listening. Lost and Rewound, Radio Free Brooklyn. Get embarrassed. <laughs> Dude, you screwed, you screwed the uh, so bad. I did the same thing last time too. <laughs>